Welcome to the Unmade Podcast, looking at media and marketing from an Australian perspective. I'm Tim Burrows. Recently, I published my first book, Media Unmade. It quickly became an Amazon bestseller. It's the story of Australian media's most disruptive decade. It's published by Hardy Grant, and you can buy it at all good bookshops and online. In the coming weeks, I'll be sharing the full audio edition of the book here on the Unmade podcast. Coming up is the next chapter. Now remember, only Unmade's paying subscribers get to hear every chapter. If you haven't already, you can sign up at unmade.media. As well as supporting my work as an independent journalist, you'll receive exclusive industry analysis in both written and podcast form. And once you sign up, you'll still be able to get our paid podcasts inside the app of your choice. It only takes a couple of clicks. Now, on with the book. Chapter 18. The 800 pound gorilla. In which Fairfax floats domain, creating value instantly, but alienating Anthony Catalano, who leaves once more, then tries and fails to stop Fairfax merging with Nine, a deal that makes the company bigger than News Corp. Depending how you look at it, the ASX is either capable of making money magically appear or great at hiding it. In the case of Fairfax Media, CEO Greg Highwood was getting frustrated with the valuation that the share market placed on the company. It was being seen only through the lens of the news business, being dragged down by the decline of print. There was little recognition of the growing value of the domain real estate business, which was Fairfax's last tributary to the classifieds River of Gold. Anthony Catalano had sold half of the weekly review to Fairfax for $42 million back in 2011 and had returned to the company to run the business as part of Domain. By the time he sold the other half in January 2015, the value of Domain had grown massively. The company bought him and his real estate agent partners out for a deal worth $72 million. The agents took a mixture of Fairfax shares and cash, while Catalano chose to take all shares, making him the biggest shareholder in the company that had once fired him. Fairfax's share price was still in the doldrums, although it had recovered from its 2012 low. The company's entire market capitalisation was only just above $2 billion, while News Corp's REA Group was enjoying a $6.5 billion market cap. To try to demonstrate to the market that the sum of its parts was worth more than the whole, Fairfax began to report the domain business on a line separate from the newspapers in its financial reports. A spin-off or stock split can create two listed businesses that are worth more than the original. This is what had happened in 2012 when News Corp and 21st Century Fox split. But Catalano insisted there should be no plan to spin off domain into a separate company on the ASX. 
is a question that I get asked a lot, but it's not part of my business plan. It's not part of any business plan I have presented to the Fairfax board and is not part of any conversation I have had with the board, he told Mumbrella in February 2015. Instead, Domain was looking like becoming a mini rival to Fairfax's newspapers, even starting to get into some news coverage. Catalano argued against the split plan again in December 2016, telling Mumbrella that the EBITDA profit number still had room to grow. Fairfax is never going to float this business when so much of the value still hasn't been realised. We said publicly this is a business we expect to grow from $120 million EBITDA to somewhere in excess of $200 million EBITDA over the next two to three years. When there is that kind of profitability and growth still to come, why would you float it? The shareholders of Fairfax are entitled to realise the potential of this business. But with Fairfax's finances going backwards across the board and the blue team scrambling to finish their secret project, the board was concerned that the share price would tank in February 2017 when it released its half-yearly update to the market. Unless it had something else to dangle in front of it. Over Catalano's private objections, Fairfax Media Chairman Nick Falloon used the February update to announce that Domain would be floated. This strategic initiative arises from the board's determination to maximise returns for Fairfax shareholders from Domain Group, which is positioned for strong long-term growth, Falloon told the ASX. The plan was for Fairfax to retain more than half the shares in Domain, so it would still have control of the business afterwards. Over the next few months, the situation changed rapidly. Catalano quietly encouraged private equity company TPG Group to get involved. In May 2017, a consortium led by TPG Group lobbed in a takeover bid for part of the company. It said it wanted Domain, The Age, The Sydney Morning Herald, Australian Financial Review and the company's events business. But it would leave the shareholders with the community newspapers, the stake in the Macquarie Media radio business and the Stan joint venture. The deal valued the company at just under $2.5 billion. Nudged by board members who were keen to create competitive tension, a second private equity firm joined in just over a week later, with Hellman and Friedman putting forward an indicative offer of around $2.8 billion. The board agreed to let both companies begin a due diligence process and opened up its books. With newspaper sales revenue falling fast and the work of Chris Jans's blue team yet to show up on the accounts, it was assumed that they didn't like what they saw. They both pulled out at the beginning of July and Falloon announced that the domain float was back on. It became a race to get the float away before the overheating Australian real estate market peaked. They pulled it off just in time, floating in November 2017 and valuing domain at a little more than $2 billion. Over the next year, Home values fell by more than 10%, scaring sellers out of the market and reducing advertising activity. There was more drama just two months after the float, 
with the sudden exit of Catalano in January 2018. The initial ASX announcement from Falloon sounded benign enough. Anthony informed the board over the Christmas break he had realised that the demands for his role and his absence from the lives of his family were proving more challenging than he had expected and he had decided to put his family first. Given that Catalano was based in Melbourne and head office was in Sydney, that was just about plausible, even though that had always been the situation. The truth soon came out, though. There had been a massive falling out between Catalano and Falloon. A few weeks later, the Australian Financial Review's Aaron Patrick raked over the coals in a piece headlined, The Fall of a Party Boy. The article must have been read carefully by lawyers. It suggested that Falloon had suddenly developed concerns about a Wolf of Wall Street style sales culture in which staff were encouraged to heavily indulge. Several HR complaints had come in just before Christmas, Patrick reported, leading Falloon to ask Catalano to return from his holiday early to discuss it. According to Patrick, an angry Catalano denied doing anything wrong. He said none of the allegations could be proven because they weren't true. He then said that he had discussed his job with his family over Christmas and decided to resign, which he did on the spot. Catalano, who had little respect for Falloon's digital skills, recalls sharing some final words as he left Falloon's office. See that square thing in front of you? It's a computer. See the round thing at the side? It's the on switch. You should learn how to use it. Once again, Catalano had parted company with Fairfax on bad terms. This time, he did so a multi-millionaire. Project Wolfgang As a journalist, occasionally you get lucky with the timing of something you write. That happened for me on the 21st of July 2018. Casting around for the topic for my Saturday Best of the Week email from Umbrella Readers, my thoughts turned to the fact that Rivals News Corp and Fairfax had finally worked out that they needed to cooperate on the future of printed newspapers. That week, they signed a deal to work together on print arrangements. In some states, News Corp would print Fairfax titles, and in others... Fairfax Presses would print News Corp papers. It would allow Fairfax to close two print sites and save the company $15 million per year. So I dedicated the week's column to my theory that Fairfax was finally healthy enough to be part of a big media merger on its own terms. The media ownership laws had changed a few months before, but nobody had yet made the first move. I went with the headline, Fairfax, where did it all go right? This is a shortened version of what I wrote. Yesterday, Fairfax closed with its healthiest share price in just under a decade. It's a $1.85 billion company, which is something I never expected to write when it fell below $1 billion in value for the first time in October 2012. The upwards blip followed this week's announcement that News Corp and Fairfax are to cooperate with printing. As is so often the case, 
The market likes it when people lose their jobs, in this case because of Printworks closing. But in the wider scheme of things, it feels, dare I risk saying it, as if the worst is over. For a while, the build-up to the end of each financial year was characterised by hundreds of redundancies, with journalists often bearing the brunt. That didn't happen this year, and when the printing rationalisation with News Corp was announced, it had more the feeling of a long-overdue dawning of sanity between the two bitter competitors than another desperation round. Of course, a lot has changed in the last few years. On the one hand, Fairfax lost many great journalists. Indeed, without their redundancies from Fairfax, Guardian Australia's ranks wouldn't be half as strong as they are. And the problem with that is the loss is immeasurable. As the public, we simply don't know what we don't know as a result of the people who would have been able to tell us being missing. But the company's three great mastheads the Age, the Sydney Morning Herald and the Australian Financial Review, survived and stabilised. None of them are what they once were, but all of them are still admirable products. And that was by no means always certain. That's a result of CEO Greg Highwood pulling off a tightrope walk I never thought he could manage. He took the costs out necessary for survival but he didn't kill the patient during the operation. Of course, there were blunders along the way. Most notably, for a while, management took on the same view as the outside world, that weekday printing would soon be dead. That drumbeat reached the outside world. It looked like a managed retreat, because for a while that's what it was. But it dawned just in time. Closing the print editions would kill the mastheads, and didn't actually make business sense. Sadly, the change of heart came too late to avert some of the damage done to advertising sentiment. What media agency wants to make a recommendation to a client of including a dying medium in the schedule? But perhaps, like television, it's not dying, it's just mature. I suspect with the stability the long-term print deal signals, it may herald a subtle change in advertising sentiment towards newspapers. I wouldn't be surprised to see an upwards blip. Not that the glory days will return. Newspaper copy sales will continue to fall, I'm sure. And classifieds are, of course, gone, never to return. But the print product now looks set to survive long enough to build out those paywall strategies, which have been so much harder than they looked. Fairfax has also played its other cards shrewdly. The last decade saw Fairfax foolishly get rid of real estate savant Anthony Catalano for the first time, only to see him create a mighty rival in the weekly review, which they ended up having to buy. But, combined with Domain, it became Fairfax's last trip down the classified river of gold. Last year's float released value in Domain that still underpins Fairfax's own share price. By coincidence... Like its parent, Domain is also a $1.8 billion company, and Fairfax still owns 60% of the shares. And there are other valuable assets. Macquarie Media, the parent of the thriving 2GB3AW talkback radio axis, also hit a 13-year high on Friday, giving it a market capitalisation above $270 million. Fairfax still owns 54%. 
And in the best example of value creation for shareholders, Fairfax's joint streaming venture with Nine Entertainment Co, Stan, has been a triumph. Stan has become a domestic challenger to Netflix, with arguably a better content offering. That's good going in not much more than three years. Both sides' initial investment of $50 million each looks like money well spent. I must admit, at the time, I was much more cynical about the investment in Stan. It felt that the might of Netflix would be impossible to beat. And I was convinced most of the money would be spent on buying back ads in Fairfax titles as a way of artificially maintaining an ad revenue number. But I was wrong. They built something real. I suspect, though, that the other thing lifting the share price is that when it comes to the consolidation of media ownership, the game is now afoot. To nine, the news and opinion radio output of Macquarie Media must look like a tempting fit, as, of course, would the other half of Stan. But Fairfax might also be a buyer rather than seller of assets, or failing that, a senior partner in a merger with a TV network. Seven would make sense because of its ownership of the West Australian, but its heavy debt load creates a more confusing picture, and the stand partnership with Nine and the talk radio attraction makes sense too. But most amazing of all of this is that it's all a possibility. Six years ago, the idea that Fairfax would be anywhere near the largest media company seemed hopeless. When Fairfax launched the new independent always positioning five years ago, it seemed a little like whistling past the graveyard. But maybe, just maybe, they've come back from the dead. Fortuitously, on the 26th of July, five days after publishing that piece, the big one dropped. Nine and Fairfax were merging. I was wrong about one part. Nine, not Fairfax, would be the senior partner. Nine's market cap was $2.2 billion, while Fairfax's was $1.77 billion. Together, they'd overtake News Corp Australia and become Australia's only $4 billion media company. The deal had been in the works for five or six weeks. Since the change in the media ownership laws, everybody had been talking to everybody. A merger between Seven and Fairfax had been a possibility too. The outline of the deal had been agreed between Fairfax chairman Nick Falloon and Nine CEO Hugh Marks. Their initial discussion took place in a cafe called Jago's on Miller in North Sydney back in June. It was Nine's proposal. North of the Harbour Bridge, Nine's team had called the plan Project Wolfgang as a tribute to dog-loving general counsel Rachel Launders' favourite rescue animal Instagram account, Wolfgang2242. South of the bridge, Fairfax's codename was Project Galaxy. The tight team in the loop at nine had included Marks, Launders, the company's chair, Peter Costello, head of strategy and corporate development, Alexi Baker, and chief financial officer, Greg Barnes. At Fairfax, Highwood and Falloon had been joined on the project by strategy boss Jurov Gupta, company secretary Gail Hamley and chief financial officer David Housko. There was a lot of logic to the deal. Stan already tied the two companies together 
and Fairfax will be stronger alongside a TV network. Nine shareholders would own 51.1% of the business, and Fairfax shareholders the other 48.9%. If there was any doubt that it was a cultural takeover by nine, the Fairfax name would be retired, and the business would move into Nine's new headquarters in North Sydney. If there was one person who might have been disappointed with the arrangement, it was Nick Falloon. He probably expected to be chairman, but ended up as deputy to Nine chairman, Peter Costello. Nine's Marks got the CEO job. Highwood cheerfully told staff that he would be making himself redundant. Marks told his staff, It's a big deal and it promises to substantially strengthen and reinforce what's so great about our business into the future. The new organisation would cover almost every medium, including TV, newspapers, radio and digital. It would have an annual turnover of $3 billion and it would employ around 6,000 staff. There were hurdles. The Journalists' Union, the Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance, objected with Chief Executive Paul Murphy saying, We also hold concerns about what it will mean for independent journalism, for the future of Fairfax's metropolitan and 160 community, regional and rural publications around Australia, and for the jobs and conditions of thousands of Fairfax employees. The Australian Competition and Consumer Commission investigated, but raised no objections, with Chairman Rod Sims issuing a statement in November saying, This merger can be seen to reduce the number of companies intensely focusing on Australian news from five to four. Post the merger, only Nine Fairfax, News Sky, Seven West Media and the ABC SBS will employ a large number of journalists focused on news creation and dissemination. With the growth in online news, however, many other players, albeit smaller, now provides some degree of competitive constraint. These include, for example, The Guardian, The New Daily, BuzzFeed, Crikey and The Daily Mail. Anthony Catalano popped up towards the end in a last-minute attempt to put together a rival bid for Fairfax. He offered to buy 19.9% of the company at a higher valuation, but the board declined to delay the shareholders' vote to hear his proposal. The Fairfax shareholders voted in favour of the deal on the 19th of November. And on Monday the 10th of December 2018, the new Nine started trading on the ASX. There was a new £800 gorilla to sit in the media jungle next to News Corp. And after 177 years, Fairfax was no more. That was the latest chapter of my narration of my book, Media Unmade. You can buy the book online and at all good bookstores. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you want to hear all future chapters, you'll need to be a paying subscriber of Unmade. You can sign up at unmade.media. That's the URL, simply unmade.media. Once you do, it only takes a couple of clicks to add the paid-for feed to the podcast app of your choice. The book was written and recorded in northwest Tasmania on the land of the Palawa people. 
This podcast is produced with the enthusiastic help of Abe's Audio. For voiceovers and audio production, from corporate to commercial, go to abesaudio.com.au. I'll be back with the next chapter soon. Toodle pip.